In this episode, I'm going to read Ode on a Grecian Urn by John Keats, from the poems of John Keats. Ode on a Grecian Urn Thou still unravished bride of quietness, thou foster child of silence and slow time, sylvan historian who canst thus express a flowery tale more sweetly than our rhyme, what leaf-ringed legends haunt about thy shape of deities or mortals, or of both in temp or the dales of Arcady? What men or god are these? What maidens loth? What mad pursuit? What struggle to escape? What pipes and timbrels? What wild ecstasy? Heard melodies are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter, therefore ye so- soft pipes play on. Not to the sensual ear, but more endeared, piped his spirit ditties of no tone. Fair youth, beneath the trees, thou canst not leave, thy song, nor ever can those trees be bare. Bold lover, never, never canst thou kiss, though winning near the goal. Yet do not grieve, she cannot fade, though thou hast not thy bliss. For ever wilt thou love, and she be fair. Ah, happy, happy boughs that cannot shed your leaves, nor ever bid the spring adieu, and happy melodist unwearied, forever piping songs, forever new, more happy love, more happy, happy love, forever warm, and still to be enjoyed, forever panting, and forever young, or breathing human passion far above, that leaves a heart high sorrowful and cloyed, a burning forehead and a parching tongue, who are these coming to the sacrifice? What green altar, O mysterious priest, leadest thou that heifer lowing at the skies, and all her silken flanks with garland dressed? What little town by river or seashore, or mountain built with peace or citadel, is emptied of this folk this pious morn? And little town, thy streets for evermore will silent be, and not a soul to tell why thou art desolate can e'er return. O attic shape, fair attitude, with bread of marble men and maidens overwrought, with forest branches and the trodden weed. Thou, silent form, dost tease us out of thought as doth eternity, cold pastoral. When old age shall this generation waste, thou shalt remain, in midst of other woe than ours, a friend to man to whom thou sayest, Beauty is truth, truth beauty. That is all you know on earth, and all you need to know. Thank you. In this second section, I'm just going to do a little bit of, not even really commentary on Ode on a Grecian Urn. Um, I feel this is one of John Keats's most famous uh, poems. Probably even more famous than La Belle Dame Sans Merci. And I think what makes this poem, or why this poem is as famous as it is, is for the last two lines, where it says, Beauty is truth, truth beauty. That is all you know on earth and all you need to know. There's actually a fair amount of question around what those two lines mean, whether it is just Keats referring to the Grecian urn he's been describing for the whole poem, or whether it's actually um, referring to his almost aesthetics as a poet, or his beliefs um, as a poet. And in the edition of um, his poems I have, the introduction to the poem says, to consider Keats as concentrating on his defined subject is safest, but the tendency to go beyond that and to detach the subject, sorry, detach the last two lines as a manifesto of his own beliefs in brief form is nothing new. It partly depends on the placing of the inverted commas, but Keats's own MS is wanting. The judgment then should rest on the three words in the poem, 
we, thou, and ye, which, to be quite frank, is not a very helpful um, introduction, but it is. It does say something about the way people read poems in that, you know, Keith spends five and a half stanzas, um, all of roughly, you know, they're about ten lines each, talking about this Grecian urn and what's going on, on, you know, the what's been painted on this urn and how it's going to outlast everyone who sees it. And yet, or what is it, the second half of the last stanza is, When old age shall this generation waste, thou shalt remain in midst of other woe than ours, a friend to man to whom thou sayest, Beauty is truth, truth beauty, etc. So, is the urn saying to the viewer, Beauty is truth and truth is beauty. That that moment in time before that first kiss, you know, listening to a lovely melody played on a pipe, you know, that that kind of internal now. Or is it some kind of reference to Keats' aesthetics? And I think that's one of the reasons why Keats' poems have lasted so long is that you can actually spend a lot of time one appreciating them. I mean, you read a Keats poem and it sounds so good. It's just lovely to read out loud and. They're, it's evocative. His imagery is so good. Um, and even though, you know, this was published in 1820, you can still read this and you can still pretty much understand what he's saying. But you can still have a discussion about it and you can still argue that it means this or it means that or it means whatever you want it to mean. Um, because obviously every reader brings themselves to the poem and how you choose to read it. says, I think, a lot about you as well. Um, so thank you for listening.